Welcome, everyone, to Season 2, Episode 3 of the Maple Belief Podcast. We have another interview today. This one is with Russ Clausen. He's formerly of Winnipeg, but now he's in Canada's Texas, Alberta. Joins me to talk youth ministry and his experience getting in, growing up, and getting out. While he's no longer in full-time ministry, he's looking to have an impact through his new podcast, Less Lonely, More Connected. I met Russ while he was a youth director at my previous church. He spent two years, uh, no, he spent six years, sorry. I spent two years volunteering as a youth leader for his Friday night youth groups. And I was very impressed with his connection with the, the church's youth. I reached out to Russ to talk about his journey through youth ministry and and how it feels to come out the other side. Russ, thanks for joining Maple Believe. Landon, so good to be here. Thanks so much for inviting me on here. Yeah, that's uh, this, this is uh, a pleasure, and I know that you are starting a podcast and uh, I'm starting a podcast and we're both growing together. So I guess we can learn together. We definitely had some technical issues getting started here. I think it took us a half an hour here to get to this point of the evening in order to record. But um, how's your, how's your day? Been That's otherwise? all right. My wife, my wise dad said that all education costs. So sometimes it costs money and sometimes it costs uh, time. And so we learned something here in this last half hour. So not half an hour wasted, uh, half an hour well spent. Yes, great, great. I love yeah. that uh, uh, that twisting of of the discouragement that I was having, and now I can be encouraged. So thank you very much for that. <laughs> there you go, right on. Otherwise, my day's been uh, been good, setting record highs. Uh, for temperature here in Alberta. So we got up to 15 degrees on December 3rd. That's completely unheard of. Um, I was yeah. working in essentially a t-shirt and a half zipped up sweater all day. And I was working outside and it was awesome. Uh, so that is so good. It's easy to be pretty happy when it's like two degrees when you wake up. Um, so that was good. And yeah. really, I just, I really love my job. So, <laughs> so that's always nice. <laughs> no. Hey, that's... Well, that's that's great because um, I invited you here to talk on, about your previous job, and uh, hopefully you can share some of your wisdom and your experience with with us and and, and the listeners. Um, I know I, I kind of wanted to talk a little bit about some of the, the 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 getting started in youth ministry because um, a little bit of preamble about myself. I came out of Bible College, of Miller College, uh, after a three year degree. And I was asked by a church to come do a fourth year internship as a youth pastor. And I, I had a, a decision to make. I could either go for business school or, uh, in Briarcrest, or I could uh, take this internship and use a, be a youth pastor for at least a year. Yeah. And I, I turned them down, but uh, some part of me, wishes i i did but i'm not sure i was cut out for it then and i'm not sure i was cut out for it and i didn't feel necessarily a calling that i've heard people say that they get did what was your calling or or ideas to get into youth ministry 
So, uh, so yeah, kind of a funny story. So I stumbled into youth ministry, but straight out of high school, I wanted to take business. Uh, my dad was in business and that's kind of what I grew up with. And I had kind of a business mind. And so that's kind of where my thoughts went. So I wanted to take a year off, then go to business school. But that summer at uh, summer camp, I was a staff there and another staff member invited me on to kind of a learning slash um, missions trip, but just like an experiential learning type of thing. It's called Out of Town. It's out of uh, Canadian Mennonite University. It's actually, it actually doesn't, uh, doesn't run anymore. Last year was their last year, I think. Oh, really? So, um, so I was on the, uh, so he invited me to this and I kind of thought about it. And long story short, I finally said yes. So I said yes, like 24 hours before it started. Raised home. Um, my parents didn't even know yet. And yeah, crazy story. So my parents blessed me. I'm like, I need a car. I need dinner. And I need to be back there in like two hours. And so it's pretty cool. That was the <laughs> beginning of like one of the best years of my life. It was so crazy and so amazing and just a whole lot of experience. And really out of that year, I just learned that I loved two things in life. I loved God and I loved teenagers. And so I thought, well, how can I put those things together? I met a few people from Winnipeg and from the school. So they had a youth ministry program. So I'm like, hey, why not do that if, and do really what I love to do? And so um, signed up for that. And I think six years later, I got a three-year degree. <laughs> so I then out of that, I guess, too, like I was volunteering at different places all the time. But then you have to like get a job now once you're once you're out. Yeah. And so I had had a halftime gig before and that was for a year. Then that ended. And so I don't know. I just kept hearing all the time. Churches are desperate for youth pastors. Churches are desperate for youth pastors. And I'm like, oh, OK, cool. It should be easy to find a job. No, no, no. What I really learned was churches are desperate for veteran youth leaders to pay them nothing. So that was kind of cool. Uh, so it took me a little while to figure that out. So one year out of college, uh, still didn't have a job. Finally, a church offered me a job and I'm just like, yes. And kind of at that point, I'm like, yes, I would take anything for someone to pay me to do what I love to do. Right. So as far as your like calling question and even before that, really, I don't know. I, I cannot honestly say that I felt called to youth ministry. What I can say is I felt that God had given me gifts and passions that could be really well exercised in youth ministry. And it was something that I really enjoyed doing. And so that was, that was kind of how I got into it, stumbled into it. And uh, yeah, finally a church in Vancouver offered me a job. I said, heck yeah. Vancouver. So where was the, where was that Bible college at? Or the Bible college was Canadian Mennonite university out of Winnipeg. It oh. started as Concord college. Okay, so you oh, went from I was Winnipeg there. to Vancouver. Yeah, so I went from uh, small town Alberta to Winnipeg. Uh, we were there for, yeah, six, seven years, and then to Vancouver. Yeah, the heart of Vancouver. Wow. Oh, man. I mean, lots of Winnipeg people would be happy to move to Vancouver just for the weather and to get paid to live there. So that's <laughs> awesome. That's <laughs> Yeah, if... yeah. What we found was it was really expensive to live there, and it was just a different lifestyle. So, like, we were broke. We were first-time youth pastors, too, and just we had a young family. We had a, we had a son who was like two when we moved there. So my wife wasn't really working, maybe making a few bucks here and oh, there. Sorry. I think you cut out for that last sentence. Oh, okay. Um, 
uh, yeah, I don't know what that last sentence was, but we were broke as could be, and uh, we had a young family there, and so uh, we were just struggling to survive. <laughs> so there were there were some pretty lean years, um, but I got some good experience and and had some got to work with some some good people out there in Vancouver for sure. Right. Yeah. So I mean, people talk about the calling. I mean, I guess that can be almost a theological thing where you feel God was speaking to you, or you feel pulled in that direction but for the most part i mean i'm pretty sure a lot of people would say that they feel their calling is just because they're good at it and they sense their gifts in that and that's that's probably essentially what you would agree with hey totally what i would agree with and i think that there is like some pressure in that role to say that you're called um (laughs) it's like a halo that you kind of get with it and yeah, like churches that ask me all the time, like, do I feel called to this? And I'm like, I think that I'm good at it. And I love God and I love teenagers. So if yeah, you want right. that, then let's go do it. <laughs> but no, I didn't have a holy experience. I didn't have Elijah. You know, I didn't have God wake me up in the middle of the night. I didn't have, you know, angels come at my doorstep. Nothing like that. So yeah, yeah, yeah. So when you were starting out in Vancouver, were you thinking of it as a, uh, I guess you didn't. Because some people look at youth pastoring as some kind of progression, you know, right. then let's move to someday be a, a, a senior pastor, yeah. like leading services. And so some people get into youth pastor knowing that, hey, I'm going to bide my time for five or six years and then go be an associate pastor somewhere for five or six years. And boom, I, I hit the big time. Right. And and I, I, I mean, there, there can be a legitimate thing i don't know if it, it feels tough to to say that it's a stepping stone because so many people use youth pastoring as a, as a stepping stone yeah and that can do damage for the kids not necessarily horrible damage like scarring them unless you think that it does what what do you think about that um <laughs> like, like, yeah, I, like i guess if the sorry no i I, mean, I, I knew lots of people i knew lots of people that would treat it like that and to me it was never that it was never a stepping stone it was something that i wanted to do really for my life and i every once in a while you run into like a 60 year old youth pastor and yeah, right. they've been in youth ministry for like 40 years and it's like oh my goodness like i envied those guys all the time like that's who i wanted to be and i wanted to be the 60 year old guy who like knew, knew so many teenagers and now they're married and now they're having kids and I got to officiate their weddings and I got to baptize their kids and now they're having like grandkids and like man I want to see those generations grow up and like really see that fruit um, of your labor really generation after generation so that's what it was for me it was never a stepping stone but lots of people do treat it as a stepping stone I don't know if it's necessarily bad I think it can be Uh, I think if your only ambition is to be a senior pastor, then probably just go be a senior pastor. If your ambition is to kind of learn how church works a little bit and maybe work with a less mature crowd while you're maturing yourself, um, yeah, go be a youth pastor. Um, That's fine. Or or look for an associate pastor where maybe you can have a bit of a mixed role. Yeah, good point. That's that's a good good statement about that. And I would just say, Landon, I'd say for me too, like youth ministry, it grew. Like when I started, it was like grade seven to 12. And when I ended, it was like more like, okay, like I'm also investing into like the grade four, five, six, because one day they're going to be youth. And I'm also investing in the young adults because they were youth. And I'm also investing into families because they have youth. So it really did evolve into a bigger picture rather than just six years of life. 
it evolved into a much more holistic, which I think was really positive. Yeah. Oh, I was, I was going to say that sounds great. I think that's, I think a church would love to have a youth pastor um, working more than just the youth. Well, that's a good point. Yeah. So pick up, uh, pick up your story. You were, you did Vancouver for a while. I, I don't know how you would have paid your rent <laughs> out there and, yeah. <laughs> on a youth pastor salary. Yeah. Yeah. Started at $36,000, I think it was in Vancouver. And so, um, yeah. So with student debts and with, trying to live and without my wife making much money and raising a kid and uh it was a tough go the church knew they were paying me next to nothing so they they actually accelerated my raises pretty good so by the end i was making uh making good money and i could have stayed there for a long long time but i just felt like i'd stayed there for five years um i felt like i felt like um boy i don't know i need a picture um if i started on ground level as like a youth pastor coming out of college, my my five years in Vancouver brought me up to, and these are just fictitious uh, grab out of the air numbers, but brought me up to like level two. But like that church knew right. me as like from ground to level two. And I'd made lots of mistakes and I had learned lots and, and I would do a lot of things differently, but now I'd kind of built myself into a bit of a mold there. And so now I'm like, oh, I don't, I don't know if I like this mold and it would be a lot of effort to get out of that mold. And sometimes I think that effort is really good to put in. And sometimes maybe it's easier and maybe it's even better just to step out of that mold and go into a different mold. So now after five years there, I stepped out and we came to Winnipeg there and they didn't know me. They never knew Russ as ground level Russ. They knew me as uh, level two Russ. So now that's my starting point. And now when I was there, I went from, you know, level two to level five, let's say, but now I, I had a level two to level five mold and I'd made lots of mistakes and I had done all these things kind of over again, even though I was at level five and it, you know, could I stay there for a long time? Absolutely. But it's a lot of work to kind of like continue to like mold yourself. So now you go to a different place and they know you as level five. They don't know you as level ground level to level four. They know you as level five. So I just think it's, uh, I think it's, I think it's easier. There might be a benefit to it. But I think it'd be a hard, it'd be a lot of work to stay in one place for a long, long time. So hats off to those people. Wow. So really, yeah. So I guess I went to Winnipeg, yeah, for six years. And then I came over here to Alberta um, and and lasted two years here. And then that's, uh, that's the end of that story. So. Right. That's an interesting, I I love that uh, perspective or picture, I guess, of uh, a building and you know, building on your past experiences. I've always wondered why people, well, from an outsider, you're always like, why do, why do pastors bounce around so much? Yeah. And then I'm, I, youth pastors do it too, but I mean, lots of other pastors do it. And, and you see some that stay around for a long time and then some that, that don't. Do you have any perspective on other, not necessarily yourself, but I guess would other people, move to different churches maybe for the same reason that you did is you kind of get pigeonholed and you're not you're not growing anymore is it is it a personal growth thing or is it a, a reputation thing probably has a lot to do with personal uh personal development personal growth um Lennon, you're a sports fan and so you're a hockey fan and you know it's kind of like a hockey coach what's what's a long tenure for a hockey coach five years 
Uh, yeah. They don't last yeah. too, too well, long. And, and one analogy I heard or one, one reason why is because, you know, they're there and they have three years worth of content and they, they divulge that they teach that for three years, but then after that three years, they're done. And if you don't personally develop beyond that and you continue to develop, you only have so much worth in you to give. And so I think that pastors, I, th I think that sometimes they fall back on that and they kind of say, okay, I have three years or I have five years of material, of program, of endurance. And after that, it's just like, oh, my tank's kind of empty and I don't, I don't know where to go from here. So I think there is a, a wall that some people hit. I think it, yeah. I think that people can get over that wall, but it takes a lot of work again. Uh, I think that there's sometimes some really good rewards in that. Uh, I've also seen some ministers in the same place for one, two, three decades, and it's time for them to go because they've really reached just a, uh, just a point where they're, they're not really helping anybody. They're just maintaining. And I don't think that a church right. is in the business of maintenance. Oh, nice. So there's oh, probably nice. a time to take off. Yeah. Well, that's, that's a good perspective. I, uh, making it sound like a, a sports coach, uh, <laughs> I guess that that's interesting because I know sometimes I know I'm a Winnipeg Jets fan and I feel like the players have turned off their ears to Paul Maurice and they're not listening to him anymore right. because he's the same old guy that's right. always been talking to them ever since they were 18 and now they're 25 and they're right. ready to be taken to the next level. And um, I guess that's a, a great point because I'm, I'm ready for Paul Maurice to leave. <laughs> and I know this isn't a hockey podcast, but I could, I could talk for a long time about the Jets needing a new coach for the, for the Winnipeg Jets. But uh, I think yeah. the organization is so loyal to him that even to their detriment, I think they're going to keep him in there. I don't know what it's going to take to get him out. So now convert that to a pastor. <laughs> And the exact right. same thing, a congregation is loyal to a pastor. And I think that there's people saying, what would it take to get this guy out? And they don't want to hurt feelings, um, yeah. but they do want to progress in their faith and action. Uh, but they're in a really difficult spot where they don't want to ask the guy to leave. Like you don't want to fire a guy that no. you've loved for so many years. Um, right. But at the same time, you just see that this isn't really going anywhere. And it's a really, really yeah. difficult spot. Um, it's a bad spot. It's a bad spot for a church to be in. Most churches, they, they just put up with mediocrity for another five years or so, whatever the number might be. And in my mind, uh, that's a tragedy because, boy, if you have a congregation, a group of people that are just towing the line for X amount of years, uh, that's uh, something I grieve at least. Yeah. And you'd think if there was people that noticed that, they would start to leave. Like wouldn't uh, the congregation would start to, to crumble because people are not getting what they need from their pastor. And I guess that's vote with your feet, I guess, is that could be one way to get rid of a pastor. I think that churches <laughs> vote by a number of ways. Uh, one is by attendance. So that's by their feet. Like you're saying, one's by the tithing plate. And so they stop giving. And uh, oh, one yeah. is that they stop, they stop, um, uh, volunteering they stop becoming involved and so sometimes i think it's easy for a congregant just to just to tune out uh maybe even go through the motions so even if they don't act with their feet they're acting with the rest of their bodies um mm. yeah, yeah so there's, there's a few ways i think that people vote and not very often is it a way of actually going in love to the person who is struggling 
in this case, we're talking about a pastor and just saying, hey, uh, we're noticing some things. Let's talk this through. Is it time to go? Um, we leave that up to the board members maybe, and they may or may not do it. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I can't imagine how tough it might be for, for people on the board to make th- these kind of decisions. I, I've i never been on a an elder board, so I wouldn't know. I haven't been privy to any of these kind of decisions, but uh, yeah. I'm sure it can't be fun. When, it can't when be fun, but it, I think what it does is it, is it reveals the importance of some of these positions. And they do way more than just this. But but one of their main roles, at least somebody's main role in the church, needs to be caring for the pastor. And part of caring for the pastor is saying, we're noticing that things are a little bit flat here. Uh, what can we do to, you know, to get back on track? Because, and it's always yeah. because, the ministry of the gospel is that important. Right. Yes. So it's not because we don't like you anymore. It's not because we want something young and fresh or anything. No, 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 no. No, the ministry of the gospel is so important. We need to have these conversations. Now that you're a parent of a teenager, almost two teenagers. That's right, right? What? Yeah, 17, um, 12, yeah. Yeah. I mean, parents can be a, a difficult uh, part of being a youth pastor. Um, now that you're the past, uh, parent of a, of a teenager, can you, um, sympathize, I suppose, with some of the parents that were an issue in the past or, or were parents an issue for you in the past? Like, was that, I could see that being a difficult part. It is interesting being on the other side as a parent. Now there's certain things that I look for that, I would be like, well, I would have given those things. Like I would have communicated those things, whatever it might've been. Um, So this person should too, you know? And so I have my expectations. I I think when I try, or when I have those critical moments, what I try and do is I try and um, extend grace and then just ask the question that will get to that answer. And so not in a demeaning way, but in just a growing way way that I can support them and just say, hey, like, this is a question that parents have an answer for that. And if you don't have an answer for it, like, let's figure it out together. So I had a really great parent do that to me very early on in my youth ministry. And she's still a a special lady. Well, that would be Lindsay Runtz. So you know, Lindsay. And so uh, she did that to me, we were going on a ski trip. And uh, I think I put out a brochure and this brochure I, I was probably proud of it. And she came up to me and she's like, Russ, this is terrible. She's like, this is missing this and this and this and this and this. And like, she just like, just shot holes into my brochure, but not only my brochure, my confidence, but then she picked me right back up and uh, she was gold. So she helped me out and she just helped me understand. And this is what a parent wants. So I guess that's kind of what I want to do with the next youth leaders and, and whatnot, just kind of help them out, make them sh- uh, make sure that they see what a parent sees and try and do it in love. Right, right. Because oftentimes, going back to people starting out as a youth pastor, I mean, you're usually pretty young. And so there's definitely um, a learning curve when it comes to organizing sometimes. For sure. So yeah. um, that's exactly it. But you had you didn't have, like, was there ever issues of, like, parents being overly controlling about what their kids were doing or something like I know I've heard stuff of, of not necessarily from you know when when we shared the church but at the church that I'm at now 
was trying to, you know, some of the parents, you hear stuff that <laughs> I'm like, oh, how do they put up with that? Well, from the, from the youth pastor's perspective. Yeah. Have you, do you have any interesting stories that way? Um, yeah, let's just say, as I remember the story of Lindsay coming alongside me and just helping me out, uh, I could name you names of people that were just a thorn in my side that, you know, nothing was ever good enough. Um, it was, it was painful. So those stories, I don't think there's many of them, but, but just as I remember the one that came alongside me and helped me out, which didn't really happen very often either. I remember the ones who were a pain in my side. And, uh, right. you know, whenever you see their, their name come up on caller ID or whatever the case is, like you, you just know that you're going to get lambasted for something. Like I, I did something wrong. Just let me know what it is and let's get on with life kind of thing. Oh no. So, uh, really frustrating oh, and, and just, yeah. just terrible. Um, and, and whichever, and, and your job as a pastor is to treat them with grace and to love their kids yeah. and not only their kids, like I said, to love their families. And that was extremely difficult and, and and i will say that you know sometimes you just put on this this fake front and you know what were my prayers for that person um probably not the same as they were for other people let's just say so um yeah <laughs> yeah tough ones oh yeah yeah no that's that's good that's good probably tough i i i feel like if any potential youth leaders are listening to this. Uh, I guess we're giving a dose of reality here because it's not all going to be, you know, roses and, and video games and sleeping in because I mean, that, that was, that was the biggest no. thing I was excited about for being a youth pastor. It was like, sweet. I am going to stay up late and hang out with these kids and then sleep in in the morning. And my hours are going to be all over the place, but at least I don't have to wake up early in the morning. And so right. that, was, that was the best part. And, and, Thankfully, that's why I didn't become a youth pastor is because that was my favorite, exciting part about about being doing youth ministry was the fact that I got to sleep in. And so I felt like if that's my most exciting reason for doing it, I probably shouldn't do it. Yeah. Um, what what is there any other kind of um, advice you'd give to to potential youth pastors, someone that's thinking about it, maybe someone that's in youth or in Bible college now that um, is leaning that way? Do you have any kind of nuggets now that you've been through the process and came out the other side? <laughs> yeah, that's a, yeah, that's a great question. Um, I think especially if you're early on, you're not going to be good at everything. And so find somebody who can really just come alongside you and, and help you in your weaknesses. And don't be afraid to ask people, to say, you know what, and this is pretty common, I suck at administration. Uh, most youth pastors suck right. at administration. So, you know what, I suck at this. Hey, can you come alongside me? What would you expect? Even ask a parent, uh, what would you expect? Can I run, you know, I'm going to give um, a handout to youth every Friday. Can I run that by you first to make sure I'm not missing something? Um, what kind of schedule should I need? Like maybe I need to be communicating with parents every Tuesday. You know, is, is, is that good? Do you want every Tuesday? Do you want just once a month? What, what is it that you want with a senior pastor? You know, what, what is that you want from me? How organized do you want to see that I am? And their answer will always be more. <laughs> I want to see that you're more organized. So 
Um, just keep giving me more and more. Alan at uh, at Albright there, man, he was demanding, but boy, he helped me be a better pastor. Um, and, and he helped me be a better administrator because that was one of his gifts. And so he would, he'd crush me on, on, on administration. And I did way better on administration at Albright than I did at any of my other churches. Um, even the church afterwards here in, here in Sundry, um, after nobody was asking me, Hey, what are your, what are your calendar events for the next six months? You know what? I didn't do it. I didn't give my calendar events for the mm. next six months, although I knew it was important. And Alan would ask for a year. And I'm like, okay, a year's kind of overkill there, Alan. But, but <laughs> you know, even in my mind, I'd be like, okay, a year. But like nobody asked for it, so I didn't do it. So really, like the things that you think are important, and I thought that it was important to have a calendar out for six months. I really did. Just nobody seemed to ask for it. And so I didn't do it. So if you think that something is important, ask somebody to uh, like keep you accountable to those things that you think are important. So communication with parents, communication with youth, um, making sure that, you know, your devos are on cue, making sure that you're communicating with volunteers. There's so many things. So if you just, if you aren't that good at something, ask somebody to help you out with it, keep you accountable. And if they just don't do it, um, go find somebody else who will really do it. And you'll find people around you that are gifted in that and that you can learn from. That would be my advice. Wow. Nice. I like it. I know uh, we haven't talked much about when we work together, um, but I remember the part where you were uh, getting us leaders to take responsibility and, and do a lot of the, organizing and and you felt like you were you were doing a, a good job of, of delegating because we had to you know us leaders were trying to um handle some of that minutiae is that a right word like the, the small boring administrative type stuff yeah that really was you know if if one person can take some of it you know it makes a big difference if a, if a bunch of people handle a little bit then you know, a youth pastor can do their job so much better because if they're delegating to the right people, then um, I can see that team element. And I remember you building that really well mm. in Winnipeg. Yeah. yeah so that's. that's yeah. Cool. Thanks for that. And I think it's like, you know, it's, it, it's recognizing what you have in your team and there's teams sometimes that I could delegate to and, and maybe that I had to push to delegate to. And then there are other teams that I'm, or at least people, you know, that I'm just like, man, I, I can't delegate organization to that guy. I can't delegate even meeting with a youth one-on-one, -on -one, like whatever it is. Um, but you have to understand your team and what your team is going to be good at. Um, if, if they're serving in the places where they find joy, they're going to stick around. If they're serving in places yeah. where they find zero joy, they're not going to stick around. They're going to be very disengaged and they're going to, uh, they're going to vote by one of their, by one of their means, by what, using their feet or by uh, not volunteering or by not giving and youth ministries don't get given to. So it's usually one of the other two disinterest. So, um, so if you can find out what they're really good at, like I had people that were amazing in administration. And so when I gifted them with a task in administration, they rocked it. When I gifted those people with the task of like meeting parents, <laughs> they hated it. And they like, they would just cry and like, and then I'd be pushing them beyond what they were gifted with. So it's understanding your team and, and who you have. And, and that will morph like year by year by year. So it's got to be something that's pretty fluid. 
right? No, I can see that because if your team is have a few different people that are really good administratively, and all of a sudden they, you know, a couple of years later they they step down, and all yeah. of a sudden you lose that, then that can be that can be a, a an issue. But but then you might have people that are really good at relational, um, and, and so you know, right. I th- I think I often felt as a youth pastor, my job was to support the ministry in the ways that others weren't able to. So if I had administrative help and if I could get them to be that administrative person, I could be the relational person. And if I had a relational right. team, then I could allow them to be relational and I could be more of the administrative person. And there might be more facets to it, but like, it's just, it's, I had to, I had to be able to support them in what they could and could not do. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's a, it's a good point there. And th- and that's yeah. work. Like this is a job. Um, so like sometimes it's just fun and games, but like, yeah. no, like really what I learned is like, this is a job. You're getting paid to do something. And so like what needs doing, go do it. And that's part of managing. So you're a manager. So now you have to find out what needs doing. And now it's your job to get it done. So however, by whatever means you get it done, you go get it done. Right. And at the, that's the, that's the crazy thing about being in, in ministry is that, you know, if you're in a company and you, you do, you're, you're thinking about what you just said about getting stuff done, you know, you're doing it for your bottom line, but in ministry, it's, it's, it, it's also your, your bottom line at home for yourself, but also there's the whole um, expanding God's kingdom part of it. And there's a bit of pressure uh, more pressure i would say uh, on a youth pastor to you know make an impact for god uh, added to the, the the pressure of you know doing it for money so i guess i could see that could that leads to burnout too i wonder is you know worrying about people's eternal salvation i suppose um added on to that i mean if you if you have a bad day and you didn't work very hard and you slacked off i mean there's <laughs> probably some guilt that's not just financial but also uh eternal i mean not to say that every day is going to have eternal consequences but i would feel like as a youth pastor i think that there's a there's an opportunity to be able to feel like that for sure um i feel like any business or a church or a nonprofit or organization whatever it is they they have a mission statement and a vision statement and you know if if you didn't fulfill that mission statement for that day then what were you doing like that would kind of be my question if you didn't fulfill it for that week you know maybe it's gonna be a little bit bigger than a day but if you didn't fulfill it for that day or that week like what are you doing and and so i don't think you know it would be i i don't know some churches might have a mission statement of we're going to convert as many people as we can to the kingdom of god and so that's not necessarily bad but yes that does put a lot of pressure on the person um scripture says that it's not up to us to like to draw people to him it's up to the father to draw people to him and so when we can really claim that right uh it takes that pressure off but at the same time it's like hey what are we doing to come alongside that uh value that the father has Mm -hmm. and we're coming alongside that to just encourage that to set the stage for that and so like that's that's a good question to have i never really felt the eternal the eternal pressure too too much Now that you've kind of left youth pastoring 
and in youth ministry, what, what kind of like, I guess you said you were there for two years, your last place. Was there ever a thought of going somewhere else? Like that, the story of leaving, I guess it was that difficult, hey, that um, you weren't going to start another one. Like, and I guess part of that, part of the question too is, is do you think you can get back into youth ministry or, or ministry yeah, type for sure. in the future? Um, so when I left my last post, yeah, I was only there for two years. And in so many ways, like just even being there for only two years felt like such a failure. Um, mm-hmm. That was that was hard to stomach. You know, my first one had been five years. My second one had been six years. And I think I kind of, you know, joked that the, the third one might be seven years. I just keep building and building. Um, so whatever right. it is in your mind, you don't move to a new town, into a new province, and into a new position to do it for two years. Like no one had that in their minds to do. And so I felt like um, that was really tough to stomach. Um, that was uh, uh, one of, is easily the lowest point of, of ministry in my life. Um, probably one of the most low points in my life in general. And that was, it was terrible. It was terrible for probably the six months leading up to that decision. And, and finally the burden of that decision and the, and the burden of just the weight that that was carrying uh, was too much. And the, I know that I disappointed so many people by by leaving. Um, I didn't really give a lot of uh, warning to the people around me. Um, some people knew that there was some issues going on, but it was as though we were working through them. But that weight still just was just unbearable and and really it wasn't healthy and it wasn't healthy for me as a pastor then either i'm i'm just like man if i'm thinking these thoughts how am i supposed to be a pastor like i I don't feel feel very pastoral (laughs) right now um so like that that was oh just so incredibly difficult so um so did i think of moving to a new place like or into a new ministry so oftentimes in pastoral ministry, it means moving actually locations to a new town, to a new city. It means actually physically moving. And so yeah. did I want to uproot my family again after two years? Did I want to, you know, go dive into something else? The answer was an abundant no. Like I, I didn't even look, ah, did I look at other ministry jobs? I don't know. I didn't entertain them for very long if I did. Um, I was just out and I was so tired and I knew that I was not in a position to, uh, to minister to other people. Like I needed to be ministered to, and I needed to take a break and I need a different perspective that I would definitely have not been very helpful to other people. In fact, the job that I have now, which came about, I think it was eight months, eight, 10 months after I had quit, I did an interview with them and they're completely secular. It's a technical job or like it's a, it's a, I'm a laborer essentially (laughs) like now, like I'm a technician. That's what it is. And um, in my first interview with them, they had the question afterwards, is this guy emotionally stable to do that job, (laughs) let alone be a pastor and like be pastoring people along the way. So like that to me is just kind (laughs) of like, it's so revealing that I didn't even have the emotional stability to be a technician let alone a pastor eight months mm-hmm. after the fact. So yeah. anyway, so no, I was, I was, I was broken. Really? I was hurt. Um, I was frustrated and uh, did not look for another position. 
Um, will I look for another position again at this point? I don't think so. Like it, it very seldom it crosses my mind. Um, if, if someone came and just hey, said, hey, hey, Russ, like I know who you are and you're the person for this position. This is what it's like. And I want you to be a part of the team. Like I would maybe <laughs> consider it, but like it would be such a stretch. Like life just outside really Landon. Like I feel, I feel freer not being in ministry because I feel like I don't have to fit into like whatever box a minister feels like, like kind of like we were talking about the calling thing. Like, have you been called to ministry? You know, like yeah. we kind of dance around that. Right. And I kind of felt like I had to dance around that, you know? And, and, and even now it's just like, like, I just feel so much more free to be maybe less perfect or to be like, I don't know, just less ideal. Um, like I can mess up right now yeah. and it really doesn't, it doesn't impact my eternal destiny or other people's eternal destiny. Like the pressure is like way less. Um, so that is so freeing. The money is way more. <laughs> like I just make more money. There's less stress. <laughs> like there's, uh, I don't know. Like those are two big things anyways. Um, yeah. Yeah. You don't need any more. I mean, and it sucks to hear that you needed to get out of God's church in order oh. to feel grace. Like why, why, why is it that the church is so bad at giving grace to sinners or yeah. not to call you a sinner, but well, everyone is, how about that? And every one of us has our, has our, has our faults, I guess. And yet uh, the church is so easy to, is so quick to jump on people that aren't perfect. And, and you're right about being in ministry. I mean, when I was, I was in a, a, a small youth ministry f as administrator for a while. And it, it, I don't think I had any bad, bad experiences there, but I still know what you feel like. Uh, the fact that you feel freer because there's not that expectation on you to be perfect. And I mean, I was, I did a good job of being perfect <laughs> yeah. there. I thought for the couple of years, but still when I move on now, we're, I, where I work now at the financial company, um, it, 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 it sure felt freer and more. And, and I, I have a small um, appreciation for, for what you went through. Not, not definitely to the, to the extent that you did, but. Um, I, I think though, even yeah, with that, like, I think each it, congregant it feels, feels that type of pressure to some degree. You know, like, hey, we're representing the church. We're yeah. representing God. We're representing salvation, eternity, whatever it is that you want to define that you're representing. That's a ton of pressure. And so now, like, you got to be on your best behavior. And, yeah. like, you know, yeah. it's kind of poked at that people go to church, like, dressed up in their best and always smiling. It's like, yeah, yeah, they do. Because they're representing something that's massive and something that's huge. And so... You know, like, do you blame them for that? I don't know. But like, man, I would I'd love to see that pressure just like decreased. Um, and though we talk about like, I don't think we do it very well at all. So like, I, it'd be a fun question. Like, maybe it's too big for now. But like, what would it look like to decrease the pressure of a congregant or a pastoral staff member 
in a church? Mm-hmm. What would it, what would it, what would a church like that actually look like? Might look messy. Right. Yeah, what would it? <laughs> you know, we talk about messy all the time. My favorite <laughs> Christian book is Messy yeah. Spirituality. Um, Mike Iaconelli. Right. Do you know that book? Uh, okay. Okay, cool. It's an amazing uh, book. That guy was a mess. He was an absolute mess, but man, he ministered to people. It was awesome. Okay. No, cool. And I back to the the story, I mean, uh, uh, of you leaving it's definitely um, makes you think about what goes on behind closed doors in, in all the ministries uh, around like what you never know what kind of pressures being put on the pastor, what pressures being put on mm-hmm. the youth pastor um, that, that 95, 98% of the, of the congregation congregation doesn't even know about like what, I guess there's no way around that. I mean, I guess that that can be in any workplace, though, is, is your boss is putting unrealistic expectations on you and your coworkers don't know and you're working to your best of your abilities. But um, there's more to the story. And I think that uh, can be I, I don't know how to get around that, but it's just something to be aware of when you're in a church is that the pastors and the leadership are, are humans, too. And there's more going on than, than meets the eye which i guess that can be more than just more than just ministry but just the the mental state of, of for sure and and i think yes. like going back to my point I, of I like when you were a youth uh, leader and and other youth leaders like you have to find their gifts and what they're capable of and able to do and and maybe what they're eager to do um but i think the same thing goes in church ministry um, you know, like look at your staff, especially like a staff like Albright, okay. like it's a staff of what, seven people or something like that. Um, hey, what are different people good at? What do they mm-hmm. suck at? How can we support each other? How can, mm-hmm. how can we enable each other? And um, man, I, I know that in Albright, like I asked, I asked to preach more because I really wanted to like grow in that. And I felt like I had a message and I felt like I could represent kind of the more youth ministry side of things and maybe get the youth excited in a Sunday service and uh, things like that. And like, I was rejected time and time again. (laughs) Like it was very, very frustrating because I'm like, Hey, that's what I want to do. And I didn't want to do it every Sunday. I didn't want to preach a series of four or six or anything like that. I just wanted, you know, the stage every once in a while Mm -hmm. just to represent and just to have a face that the youth would like. And, you know, I felt like I could minister the gospel through a sermon um, in, in maybe a unique way and a unique voice and things like that. But I was I was rejected by that and, and frustrated by that. And yeah. and so like that was like that was one of the things that kind of stuck out to me. There's a number of reasons why I kind of left. But like the, the role as youth minister was so specific in youth ministry and I couldn't really branch out from that. And that was, that was troubling right. to me. Whereas like, especially if you have a staff of seven, like my last church was a staff of three, but even there, I'm like, Hey, like, let me, let me be more involved in like the whole church. Like, don't just corner me into youth ministry or whatever. Like let's, let's grow and let's, let's do this together. But I feel like we kind of get stuck in a role sometimes. I mentioned at the beginning of our, of our talk that you have, uh, your own podcast. And so you want to give me a little bit of breakdown of, of why you started it and, and what's it, where's it going to go in the future? What's your 
grand plan for that. Thanks for that. Really, like my podcast is called Less Lonely, More Connected. And when I looked at my life, like whether it was a pastor or like even now, and and I just want to say like it took me probably 18 months to 24 months to like grieve my leaving of being a pastor. And like finally now, and like really mm. for the past maybe six mm. months, I've been able to like, like be me again. And like, man, it's so good. But man, I went through 18 months of hell and just struggle and, and depression and mm. isolation. Like COVID did not need me to isolate. Like I isolated before that. I called it hibernation. Um, it was hard. <laughs> it was the hardest 18 months of my life. And, and it was terrible. But like really for the last like six months, just been I've been able to dream again and I've been able to be like okay like how do I want to create and like as a youth pastor I was able to create and like manage a schedule and like be impactful in people's lives and just even like grow myself and like those things and for the last six months I've been able to do that so I've I've kind of looked for like a platform I'm like well what's my platform to be able to like influence others and just like put my thoughts out there and so I went through a number of different ways to do that. Like one was through a blog. So I had a blog that I would do every once in a while. That's, that's more of an old school thing for me. Um, but kind of the newest thing is podcasting. So I'm like, yeah, you know what? I'm going to throw it out there in a podcast. And then when I thought about that, I'm like, well, what do I want my podcast to be about? Like, what, what is it all surround? And I'm like, well, as I look at my life as a pastor, as a camp worker, as just a citizen, as a dad, as a husband, as somebody in the neighborhood, like really, what do I want to see in people? And really it came down to, I want, I want to see people less lonely because I think there's a lot of loneliness out there. And I think that Mm. lonely loneliness is one of the most debilitating things in a person's life. If they're lonely, it's so easy just to, you know, metaphorically, if not realistically sit on a couch watch TV and snack yourself. Like that to me kind of resembles a lonely existence. And so like, I don't want people to be lonely. I want them to be, what, what do I want them to be? You know, kind of what's the other side of the kind? Oh, I want them to be connected. Oh yeah. Yeah. Let's get them connected into things. And so, man, how do we do that? Like how do people get out of loneliness and better connected? And then what do they even get connected to? And so I define connection by like getting connected to ourselves hugely important um if you can't get connected to yourself you can't really put yourself out there for anybody else and so it's connecting to ourselves to others so the neighborhood uh to god there's a relational thing with god or the divine or whatever people want to define that as and then there's one with creation and and i think you know i'm like i had to justify i'm like how do people you know just go out for a walk and feel so connected and like so at peace and I'm like, oh, they're like connected with nature. Like that is such a cool thing. So that's kind of how I define connection. So I'm like, man, if if people were less lonely, they would be connected with themselves, others, God and creation. And if people were connected in all those things, they'd be less lonely. And so, you know, I just want to encourage people and and give them tools, like real tools and resources as to how they can be better connected. And if they're better connected, they're less lonely. And I would say more healthy. Nice. Nice. Yeah. I don't know why you didn't, you know what? Like, that was awesome. Russ. We doat ourselves all the time. <laughs> well eh? And you know, and the other thing is like, I didn't, I didn't right. preach a scripture there. 
but it doesn't need it. Like if you know the Bible, you know that our job as like followers of Jesus and like Jesus's life was to connect people and like really connect people with the father. But it's also like to to create this support network so that people mm-hmm. can feel valued, um, loved, believed in, like all these things. Like those things are human nature things, but like they don't always take a scripture verse. Like it just takes, hey, how can we do that better? How can we as a community do that better? Um, I would love to see churches just like take that and just be like, right. yes, how can we help our town be more connected? Not our church be more connected. Okay, but our town be more connected. Mm-hmm. The church is there for the town. The church is there for the city, for the neighborhood. It's not for themselves. And so get out there and help people get connected. And it doesn't mean inviting them to Jesus. It means inviting them for coffee. And at some point, you might get the chance to invite them to Jesus or you right. might not. And it's not really up to you. So just help them get connected, love people, and right. man, be gracious to people all over the yeah. place. Like grace should just flow from the houses of Christians all around the neighborhood and like the neighborhood should know it easily. Uh, so man, yeah, I don't know. I've got some, like, I I just wish that like, I don't know if I hear someone swear around me, I, I don't care two hoots. I, I really don't care. And one of the grievances I have is, is with a church. Like, I feel like if you swear, like that's a greater sin than not caring for a widow. It's just like, wow, how how did we get that so upside down? Like, we need to care for that widow. But no, 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 that's not on our moral code. Hmm. Our moral code is like, don't don't swear and don't drink too much if you drink at all, and and things like that. It's just like, oh, like you're 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 just rotting me inside because like the gospel is so shallow in that sense. It's like, no, like have a drink and then go visit your neighbor. Like, I, I I really don't care, but like visit your neighbor, please. Like, and the greatest impact of the gospel is by getting connected with other people. So man, that's, yeah, obviously I get passionate about that. Um, And that's, that's what I wanted my podcast to be about. And so I just love talking to people who are similar in scope to that. And it might not be from a religious aspect or a God fearing aspect, but it'll just be like, Hey, how can, how can they help people uh, connect? So I love just talking to people who share that passion. Yeah, no, I think what you're saying would would allow would align with Jesus's life and ministry, where he, you know, took down the legalism of the Pharisees and and all the, you know, tick for tat, uh, check the right boxes, and you can be right. a good, a good good Israelite at the time. Uh, and Jesus came along and and blew so many of those out of the water, and he just wanted to be with people, and he had crowds and. And then when he sent out to the, the disciples, you know, they were uh, church planning and they did so much uh, for their communities. And that's exactly what um, that's what, what Jesus wanted was this to be a, a relational religion. Well, not even religion, but well, lifestyle you know I mean. uh, to be more relational yeah. rather than legalistic. Yes. Lifestyle. Exactly. Yeah. And so that's no, that's cool. That that aligns with that. Well, hey, Russ, uh, do you have anything else? Or I think we're, I think we're good. I think. Yeah, right on. Um, I will just uh, plug that. uh, Yeah. Less lonely, more contact or more connected. That's the podcast. But my website is called stuffwithrust.com. 
So I'll plug that out. And uh, I think I'm going to start a Facebook group called Less Lonely, More Connected because people on my personal site are tired of me talking about my podcast. So I think that's how I'm going to like kind of branch into that. Um, and then I've got some dreams just as to where that can go. So I'm really right. excited just to flesh it out a little bit. And it's kind of a side hobby of mine right now. So that's super fun. And Landon, thank okay. you so much for having me on. It was a lot of fun. Uh, it's been really cool to connect with you again. Thanks for your questions and for your intrigue. Hey, thanks for listening. And thanks to Russ for his time and his open and frank opinion. I hope you enjoyed it and found it meaningful. My apologies for some of the technical glitches. My timing with Russ seemed to be off near the end. I'd, I'd like to fix that for future episodes. I can think you t- think you can tell that, that Russ and I had a great relationship, though, while he was here. I definitely missed him and his family when they packed up and moved to Alberta. Please support his new podcast and support this one. Rate, review, and share if you could. That would be awesome. You can contact me on Twitter at MapleBeliefPod, Instagram at MapleBelief.podcast, and Gmail is MapleBelief at gmail.com. So much appreciated. Take care, everyone.